0: river basin and beyond damascuscitizens.org this is rosie star for radio catskill welcome to farm and country locally produced radio about rural life in the catskills and the delaware river valley On today's show, Keith Hubbard's Star Talk highlights this week's Geminid Meteor Shower. Sonia Hedlund shares her background, inspiration, and knowledge about her part in the practice of education at Apple Pond Farm. Sonia Hedlund took the time to speak with me earlier this year at Apple Pond Farm in Calicoon Center, New York. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country, but first... News headlines from NPR.
1: Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. A number of Russian drones hit the Ukrainian city of Odessa early this morning. The attack knocked out power to much of the city for the second time this week. Ukrainian officials say the drones had been manufactured in Iran Russia had launched a series of cruise missiles at cities across Ukraine on Monday, with a number of them hitting Odessa. Some Republican-led states say they will appeal a judge's ruling that would end the pandemic border restrictions known as Title 42. As NPR's Joel Rose reports, those restrictions are set to end later this month.
2: Republican attorneys general from 19 states say they will ask the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals to stay a lower court ruling that found Title 42 unlawful. Those AGs have already asked Judge Emmett Sullivan to stay his own ruling, but Sullivan declined. The Title 42 policy, first put in place by the Trump administration, allows immigration authorities to quickly expel migrants without giving them a chance to seek asylum. The Biden administration says it's preparing for the restrictions to end on December 21st, at a time when border apprehensions are already near record highs. Joel Rose, NPR News.
1: Health officials are again recommending people wear masks indoors and in crowded outdoor spaces because of the rates of COVID, the flu, and RSV. Schools were closed yesterday in Mona Shores, Michigan, because of a shortage of staff due to illness. Superintendent Bill O'Brien also says the triple-demic leaves schools without enough substitute teachers. That pool is now much, much shallower, and uh, districts are are fighting for the same same shallow pool, and there are times that uh, we can take care of it internally. Um, that that taxes our teachers a bit. We, we don't like to do that. RSV is a common respiratory virus that usually causes mild, cold-like symptoms. Most people recover in a week or two, but it can be serious for children. Environmental advocates are asking U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack to revoke the permits for the Unitaw Basin Railway in the southwest. Aspen Public Radio's Hallie Zander has more.
2: The 88-mile railroad would connect oil fields in northeast Utah to existing rail lines, allowing more crude oil to travel by rail across Utah and Colorado. A coalition of activists called Stop the Uinta Basin Railway is leading a national day of action today to pressure Vilsack and the Biden administration to stop the project. Protests are planned throughout the day in Idaho, Utah, Colorado, and Washington, D.C., Organizers worry derailments could cause devastating spills along the Colorado River and on indigenous land. If built, up to 10 trains with 110 rail cars could carry crude oil along this route every day. For NPR News, I'm Hallie
1: Zander. A major snowstorm is moving into the northern Sierra Nevada this weekend. As much as four feet of snow could fall in the upper elevations around Lake Tahoe. This is NPR News.
0: This is Rosie Starr. welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, Sonia Headland shares her background, inspiration and knowledge about her part at Apple Pond Educational Farm. Sonia took the time to speak with me earlier this year at Apple Pond Farm in Calicoon Center. But first, here is Keith Hubbard with this week's Star Talk report. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country.
2: country i'm keith hubbard and this is star talk an excellent meteor shower will grace the sky this week the geminid meteor shower will peak on tuesday and last into the pre-dawn hours of wednesday the geminids are considered one of the best showers because the meteors are bright and many meteors can be seen at the peak the parent body of the geminids is unique in that it is an asteroid the parent body of all other meteor showers is a comet The source of the Geminids is a three-mile-wide rocky object named 3200 Phaethon. Phaethon originates from the asteroid belt, and every 1.4 years, it swings very close to the Sun. Phaethon's orbit brings it well inside the orbit of Mercury, and the heat from the Sun fractures the rock, producing a stream of dust. This dust then enters Earth's atmosphere and burns up as meteors. The meteors from this shower will be few and far between in the early evening, but will intensify as evening gives way to late night. On a night with no moon, observers could see upwards of 60 meteors per hour. But this year, the waning gibbous moon will be in the sky for most of the night. The moon will rise around 9.30 p.m. Tuesday evening. This will leave a couple moon-free hours in the evening to view the shower. The Geminids tend to be bright and white, and the brightest ones will overcome the light of the moon. Bundle up and then look up to watch one of the more spectacular meteor showers of the year on Tuesday night. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard, reminding you to keep looking up. Celestial Greetings. I'm Keith Hubbard, writer and producer of Star Talk for Farm and Country. Thank you for listening to us, supporting us, and truly making WJFF your community radio station. Have a safe and festive holiday season and a happy new year.
0: This is Rosie Starr. Earlier this year, I drove into the hills outside Jeffersonville, New York, to visit Apple Pond Educational Farm. Today, we'll hear from Sonia Headland, who shares her background, inspiration, and knowledge about her part in the practice of education at Apple Pond Farm. This is Sonia Headland. I was
3: born in Brooklyn. Um, I'm the child of immigrants, and I think that is a real major difference. If you have not been here forever, it's a different upbringing. We spoke another language at home. We went to a church that was associated with the language Norwegian and Swedish. There were always people in our house from foreign countries, and I'm always very comfortable with meeting strangers. That isn't everyone's like, but I loved it. And that gave me a desire to have a lot of curiosity, go different places. I went to school in Brooklyn, the Packer Collegiate Institute, and I went there from eighth grade through junior college and never paid a dime. So that set me on a different intellectual path. I went to the University of Michigan, had roommates who were Chinese and Japanese, fell in love with Japan, and somehow it came to be that I went to Japan to teach English for the United Methodist Church. And I was a teacher for three years, in Hiroshima. I studied Japanese language for about six months, and then I started teaching. I never spoke English in the classroom, and although I learned Japanese, my students, they only spoke to me in English. When I left Japan, I had an adventure. That was in 1965, 62, 65. I started traveling with a friend from Japan to Hong Kong, to Malaysia, to Cambodia, to India to Egypt, Palestine, Greece, Europe, and then ended up Christmas in Norway. We traveled for six months. No doubt, that experience of being with foreigners with where English wasn't the only language has held me in very good stead. The other part of that is the message from my mother, you must always welcome strangers. You must be able to cook a meal for 10 in a minute, and I can do that. And I love having people visit. Our house is never perfectly arranged, and it looks like people live there. We've done a great deal of entertaining at Apple Pond Farm for brunch or meals. In Brooklyn, when I met Dick, we decided that uh, we would be partners. We have not married. We're domestic partners, but we are not married, and we've been together now more than 50 years. We lived in a commune in Brooklyn, and it was a gorgeous brownstone with four other couples, all really straight people. They'd been in the Peace Corps, they'd worked overseas, they were going to school. It was inexpensive and very left-wing oriented activists against the war in Vietnam. Those people are still my, our friends, the original group. So our Dean Street commune was a very important part of our life. It taught me, I don't always have to have my way, that I can do things together with other people. I was grateful for cooking meals for somebody else. I only had to do that one night a week. But when I came home from evening graduate school riding the subway for an hour, there was a dinner in the oven with aluminum foil. We didn't have microwaves ready for me. So the commune was very important. I'm comfortable with people coming to visit us. So when we started this farm, run down as it was, we were determined to make it open for people. And at that time, there really weren't farmers who wanted to do that. Unfortunately, some people are not talkers. They're not, they don't want to be open to the public. But I'm different. I really love it. The horse work here was wonderful. Dick is a great teamster and a trainer and has probably taught 100 or 200 people how to use horses for driving and doing farm work. Gifts have done wonderful things to me. Um, An old boyfriend gave me a border collie. A teacher gave me her goat because she had had an accident. Someone found a sheep that needed to be taken care of. So I got these animals and I began to learn how to care for them as a novice. And people around here were very helpful. I find farming engaging because of all the skills I have to have. You know, if you're an accountant, you have to know all your figures in the tax law. To be a successful farmer, you have to know weather. You have to know carpentry, some plumbing, absolutely veterinary science, a bit about soil and organic farming. You have to know not only to make a product good, a beautiful horse, a good lamb, you have to know how to sell it. And often that's the glitch here. You have all these good things, but what do you do with them? If you're in farming, the idea is to make some money. It isn't just to do things for a hobby. We've had some good programs here. One of the most successful, beside the workshops on renewable energy and on a driving draft horses, was farming with kids. And we have run that program maybe for 20 years on Saturday mornings. People come with their children and we do something. The big hit of that was always milking goats, and I really like goats. They're not for everyone. They're very smart, and if they can, they'll figure a way to get out of their paddock or pasture. I learned to make cheese. I did programs called A of Ricotta and taught people how to make cheese at home. And then we did some special programs about spinning and weaving, so those kind of educational opportunities were a challenge to me and very satisfying. We are still doing a few of those programs for schools who would come here with a class. Now we're trying to figure out what we do now as we're older and how what kind of programs are needed and what programs do I have the skills for and do I want to do. That's a big challenge. I really am not so happy doing programs that are just photo ops for families to take of their children. It's fine, but I want something else. Uh, maybe farm walkabouts and look at the pastures and see how things are put together, how you make hay. I wrote stories for a local newspaper for many years, the town crier, about farming. And I did something which anybody who moves here might consider some time or other, running for office. This is a home rule state, and what happens at our little town of Calicoon board meeting can really have an impact on those people living in that township. I lost both times, but I really learned a lot about it. With a group of other farm women, uh, maybe 10 years ago, we started something called the Sullivan County Farm Network. And we tried to be the voice of agriculture and farming at meetings of the county where decisions are made that affect farming, but farmers can't go to those meetings. It's in the middle of the day, they're working, they can't do it. There has to be a way to somehow support farmers. When we came, there were 300 dairy farmers. There are less than 10 now, less than 10. No one is going into the dairy business unless you have a little niche of something special you sell a special kind of milk, you make ice cream, you make yogurt. We have some very successful farmers who've diversified. But that's a, a hard challenge to learn something new when you're already well into middle age. It's sad to see some farmers whose children, even though they went to ag schools in college, they aren't farming. What happens when more of those farms are up for grabs and they're bought? As you know, the pressure for purchasing farmland by people with resources who can almost pay cash means that that land is often divided up and parceled and becomes small home sites. A couple years ago, we worked with the Delaware Highlands Conservancy, and we arranged for them to protect this 80-acre farm as a farm forever. That means that we still have to do some agricultural things here. You have to mow. You have to keep the water areas clean. You can't build everywhere, and you can't subdivide. I'm very happy we did that. It will mean it won't sell for as much money, but it will never be turned into whatever. You know, People say, oh, I'll just put that in my deed. You can put a lot of things in your deed. No one enforces them unless people complain. And mostly people don't complain. So I'm very eager for this Sullivan County to continue as an agricultural county because it's the beauty of the county that
0: draws people to come here. Yes. Let's talk about the beauty of Sullivan County. Do you ever think about doing one of your value added things on your farm for artists, something cultural or artistic?
3: I don't think we've had artists come here in any formal way. We've had some individual painters who wanted to walk and paint, and we've always encouraged them and let them do that. We've had a couple of colleges do programs here for special courses, and we have had enough lodging space so we could put up those people, and those have been very engaging. There was a program from Vassar that was especially dynamic that went on for a couple of semesters. And when we have been looking for apprentices here, we first advertised in something called a small farm journal, and then we had people who wanted to learn how to use horses in agriculture, and we had wonderful people come. We've had apprentices here for maybe 30 years, and some of those people are farming big time here, and we are very proud of the little bit of input that we had in doing that, will uh, Willow West Farm and uh, Cheyenne in uh, Roots and Roost Farm, and there are probably some other ones, too, who have been here and lived here and learned something which inspired them to go on into agriculture
0: work. What do you have to say to young people now, the future farmers of America, and especially women who want to farm? There are
3: some agencies that are very concerned about promoting farming on special populations. The American Farmland Trust is one. And the special populations to target are women, women of color, ex-prisoners, and perhaps the disabled. So there are some grants for them. Getting started in farming can be an expensive operation if you don't have land in your family, But if you want to grow vegetables, the truth is you don't need a big piece of land. No one is going to start a cow dairy farm, maybe some cheese operations. I think people who are interested in farming should be sure they really feel both an intellectual and emotional commitment to it. And you're considered a young farmer by Cornell for the first 10 years of your operation. It does take a while. I think there are so many other... Challenges, it might be better to think of can you form a group with two or three people who get along and could do something together? And that might be a, a good way. But you have to know what is your product and how you're going to sell it.
0: What is your product here and how are you selling it?
3: Well, our project for many years was education. We want you to be more informed. So the work that we did on renewable energy through the Sullivan Alliance for Sustainable Development, a not for profit that Dick and others started. It was to tell homeowners, renewable energy might save you some money. We don't sell anything. We don't sell a product. But we'll teach you how to understand your bill. We'll explain to you what you might do if you want to put solar panels on your house. And if you want to put on a wind turbine, well, you have to be using this much electricity to make it worthwhile. That's been a good one. With the horse work, it was just marvelous to see people. We'd have maybe eight people at a time staying overnight And taking Dick and Doc or Bill and Bart and learning to harness and use those horses. And the only disadvantage was our horses were always so well trained. It was kind of, they got the best of all possible worlds. The other things we've sold is that we sold meat. We're not vegetarians. We believe in the humane care of animals. I think we've had as many as 75 ewes at one time. And that means you could have as many as 150 born. Um You had to manage the breeding system carefully, and you had to decide who was going to buy them. Our original customers were what we call the ethnic market. People from Italy, Greece, Yugoslavia, Albania, who wanted to have the tradition of their homeland and celebrate Greek Easter and say Christos Anesti. And they would come here and do their own slaughtering here. We can't sell meat that we butcher ourselves. Pecan buy an animal here and take it to a butcher and they can do it so we've sold meat we sold a lot of vegetables for a year or two dick was even growing vegetables for the school in monticello and that was another product i've taken advantage of wool and learned how to spin i'm a good spinner i'm not a great knitter i did a bit of weaving and I now i have been sending my wool to be processed elsewhere You can do it yourself, card the wool yourself, but it's more time-consuming than I want. I would send my raw wool, which looks kind of dirty, to the Green Mountain Spinnery or to Frankenmuth, and they would send it back as I wanted. I could get spun yarn, white or natural, the brown kind of gray-black color of my sheep, or I could get a duvet made. Or I could get pillows, and we sell those pillows here. And we're in the process now of trying to move as many of these things as we we want to downsize and have less stuff at the farm. We could have less stuff. And the goats, I mean, I just enjoy the goats very much. And doing the cheese classes, because there's a lot of people who are very food-oriented, and they are fascinated. And I can do that. I don't use my own milk, because it's not inspected, but I get milk elsewhere, and... We make ricotta cheese and learn how to serve it and uh, enjoy it, and that's been fun. I will do that. One new program I wanted to start, and I probably will do it: is Sex in the Barn. The whole notion of breeding and how you breed. You know, when I was a kid in Brooklyn, we had cats that weren't neutered so much, they'd be out at night. But there is a science to do this, and if you aren't smart... And plan things. You're going to have babies born at the wrong time of year when the weather is bad and at a time when it'll be impossible to sell them later on the road. So I think it'll be fun to do sex in the barn for adults some late afternoon on a weekend.
0: (laughs) Your programs sound like they're very family-oriented. Tell us about the reaction of children to some of the things you do here. You know, all the kids are different. Some kids don't want to
3: touch anything. They're a little afraid. When we walk in the barn, the animals know I'm coming, and they bat, and they make a lot of noise. That scares a lot of kids. Most of the kids are eager to try something. And milking a goat is just wonderful. We have a little sticker we give them. I milked a goat today. For many years, we did a business with the Hasidic camps in the neighborhoods, which there i think it 's eighty five a hundred thousand religious Jewish people come to Sullivan County. We would take our horses and go there and give rides and do things, or they would come here a very special population and dogs were often a challenge to them because they felt that they would be hurt by the dog. But the dogs we have here are wonderful. And I think learning to be comfortable with dogs in this day and age for anyone who lives in an urban setting probably is a good idea. You don't have to like dogs. You just have to not be terrified of dogs. You know, I I think of late, many people have moved here with COVID. People who had summer homes that weren't winterized, now they're winterized. And I think these people bring us a, a lot of things that are wonderful. And they buy things here and they build their houses. And I think it's always for us who are here full-time to somehow figure a way to welcome them and to help them understand that the firehouse is there, but no, there aren't people in the firehouse 24-7 that they do need someone to help be a volunteer fireman. And how to connect the were summer people who have usually more money than most of us who live here, that's really a challenge. And how to build some bonds between people who become neighbors. There's a mar- remarkable woman over in Pennsylvania named Beverly Sterner, one of my mentors, who maybe more than 10 years ago created a network called the Upper Delaware Network. It's almost a thousand people strong now, and the idea is to have people communicate with each other when you need something, when you have an idea. And that is a real Foundation in any vibrant community that neighbors are willing, you know, to help each other. We have a public radio station. I mean, it's amazing. More than 30 years. Think of it. A poor county with 75,000 full-time residents has a public radio station.
0: Sonia, you're a wealth of knowledge and, and compassion. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? This is the
3: Delaware River Valley. This is not the Hudson River Valley. I don't look to the east at all. That is another world. I want us to be the Delaware River Valley. Extend yourself to neighbors and open your door with some hospitality and seems like a and vote. Really important to vote. We need to keep our politics on the progressive
0: side, I would say. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. This is Rosie Starr at the Apple Pond Farm with Sonia Headland. Thank you. Sonia Headland. and Apple Pond Farm is part of the project Y.I. Farm that's on display in December in the Digital Gallery at the Union in Narrowsburg, New York. This production highlights the inspiration of local farmers. Y.I. Farm is curated by Pat Carullo with photography by Woody Goldberg and audio by Radio Catskill volunteer Rosie Starr. We hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteer Keith Hubbard. Special thanks goes to our guest, Sonia Headland from Apple Pond Educational Farm in Calicoon Center, New York. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. In public radio, we value our relationship with each and every one of our
3: listeners. You listen to us, and we listen to you, too. So keep our connections strong. When you join those who donate to Radio Catskill, you'll power more of the news you trust and more of the music you enjoy. So add your voice and your gift before the year ends by donating at wjffradio.org. And thank you for being one of
0: our valued listeners.
1: Set it off when you're a host.